Welcome to Mothering Earth, your source for sustainable living news. I'm Salwa Khan. Whether you call them birders or bird watchers, the number of people who enjoy observing birds is in the millions. It is a popular hobby here in the U.S. and elsewhere. Most people watch birds in the neighborhood, but birding trips involving travel to other places is also popular. Unfortunately for birders and for all of us, the number of birds in the world is declining. What are the reasons for this decline and what can we do about it? We'll be hearing today from Rebecca Rylander, an avifauna researcher and academic at Texas State University. Avifauna refers to birds of a specific region or habitat. Rebecca is an ornithologist whose research centers on the black-crested titmouse and the golden-cheeked warbler. I think it's safe to say that most people like most birds, especially songbirds and birds that have bright-colored feathers. Uh, But beyond what we humans may enjoy, birds have an important function in the environment. Um, Can you talk about what that function is? Yeah, so birds actually provide numerous benefits to ecosystems as well as to our economy. Um, They're directly responsible for dispersal of seeds. Um, They're also quite good at pollination if you think about hummingbirds and orioles and some of those species. Um, They're also really good at providing pest control services. So some of our aerial insectivores, such as the chimney swift, can actually eat thousands of insects a day. Um, which is pretty impressive. And you can also think about birds of prey. They also help out with rodent control, as well as some people who are scared of snakes. They actually do take care of a lot of snakes. Um, But also, uh, bird watching, as well as other bird-related events, are actually important to the economy. Um, It's estimated that 50 million people enjoy bird-related activities every year, which adds up to roughly $9 billion into the U.S. economy every year. This can be from birdwatching activities, birdwatching trips, purchasing equipment like binoculars, field guides, and cameras, or if individuals enjoy hunting, um, the equipment and the permits that they pay for to hunt for waterfowl and other game species. It's quite a bit. Yeah. (laughs) Plus, they're beautiful to look at. Indeed. Um, Now, bird populations are in sharp decline, according to several scientific studies. Uh, I read one major study in Science Magazine from late last year that said uh, there were massive bird population declines over the last 50 years. Um, Can you talk about that and about the species that are suffering the steepest declines? Yeah, so in a nutshell... There was definitely an in-depth collaboration between members of the Cornell Lab of Ornithology, the Smithsonian, um, the American Bird Conservancy, and several other uh, very knowledgeable entities that did estimate that in North America alone, there are roughly 3 billion fewer birds than there were 50 years ago, uh, which is about a 30% decline in avian abundance since 1970. Though some of these species are actually increasing in abundance, um, like raptors and waterfowl, most species like our sparrows and some of our really pretty wood warblers are unfortunately in decline. Um, those species that are in decline are not only those that have been previously listed as threatened or endangered. Um, many common species, like our painted bunting here in the hill country, scissor tail flycatchers, lesser goldfinches, um, have also experiencing trending low numbers in, in, in these previous years. 
The study looked at birds that inhabit particular habitats, including forests, grasslands, um, and coastal areas. Um, can you uh, sort of break down what the numbers are in each of those areas in yeah. terms of the decline? Yeah, so in this study, um, they did find some fascinating numbers. And so in general, the birds that are facing some of the highest threats are located in our, our grasslands, mature forests, and shorebirds that utilize the coastal ecosystems. Uh, grasslands in North America have been disappearing at a pretty alarming rate, uh, with over 50 million acres of land being converted to cropland since 2009. Uh, which has resulted in a 53% reduction in grassland bird populations. Uh, this actually equals up to over 720 million birds that are no longer in the grasslands. Forests also have suffered around about a 1 million bird loss since 1970, and coastal shorebirds already under threat have lost more than one-third of their population. So that's pretty significant. Now, you mentioned this earlier, the insectivores that eat flying insects, uh, birds like swallows, nighthawks, and flycatchers. Um, I know I appreciate any bird that will eat bugs in my garden, <laughs> especially the bad bugs. <laughs> yeah. um, so how are their populations doing? So unfortunately, our aerial insectivores, they're, they're also following similar trends as grassland and forest bird species. Uh, they're estimated to have decreased by over 32 percent since 1970, meaning that we have roughly 160 million fewer individuals than we did 50 years ago. Um, these species are really critical for reducing insects that harm crops, insects that also spread disease, insects that damage property such as termites and wood ants, and insects that are actually considered a nuisance, like you're talking about, like mosquitoes and flies. So yes, these aerial insectivores are under threat and they are declining. And that's, and that's uh, I would imagine, also affects the economy in terms of crops and yes. agriculture. Yeah, absolutely. Like and so um, it is, it's kind of a cascading effect. You're listening to Mothering Earth. My guest today is Rebecca Rylander, who is a researcher and academic at Texas State University. And we're talking about birds and their uh, and the declining population of birds, which is clearly alarming. So one question I have is what methods do scientists use to determine these numbers? Uh, first and foremost, in order to estimate long-term declines of avifauna across an entire continent, so think about really, really large-scale estimations, you're going to need consistent, robust, and accurate data um, from several sources and programs that have been going on for a number of years because um, without this accurate and consistent data, researchers can't even begin to uncover results. Um, so in this science article, these statistics that we're discussing are only estimates, but they have been derived from reputable sources. Um, some of these sources, including long-term surveys through citizen science programs, which is actually really cool. Um, these include the Breeding Bird Survey, the Audubon Society's Christmas Bird Counts, as well as other monitoring programs like Partners in Flight, Avian Conservation Assessment. Um, other estimates of avian decline were actually derived from Nexar weather radar, um, which actually can pick up migrating birds in the night skies as they fly over stations. So just like you pick up weather on a radar, you can actually pick up migrating birds. And based on this technology, researcher researchers have actually estimated 
that there have been a 14% reduction in these nighttime migratory species. So when you combine all these different sources together of long-term data sets, you can actually come to some of these conclusions, some of these estimates about the declines of birds over a large span of time. Yeah. Now, you mentioned the, uh, the citizen science participants. How, how does that work? Yeah. So citizen science programs, while some people uh, often look at them and wonder how uh, reputable they are, they're actually incredibly important. And the data collected by citizen science programs are often filtered through people who have been studying ornithology and, and birds their entire life. And so they kind of countercheck these observations to make sure that they're not too far off and that they're accurate. Um, these citizen science programs, such as the breeding bird surveys and the Christmas bird counts, are uh, local counts that basically are getting an idea of the diversity and the abundance of the birds in a particular area at a particular time. So it's almost like a snapshot and so if you have all these snapshots across the nation, you can actually put them together and get a pretty good idea of what's going on with these bird populations over time. So it's actually really neat, and almost anybody can participate. Um, uh, I Actually, I would say everybody can participate as long as you're, you're willing to learn and you have a positive attitude. Um, that's really all you need, and it becomes uh, really important to these long-term data sets. So if you wanted to participate, where would you go? Where would you find the information? Would you go to like the Audubon website or something like that? Yeah. So for the Christmas bird counts, um, the Audubon Society, it's actually a program put on by the National Audubon Society. And if you go to their website, you can actually look up uh, count circles in your area. Um, and there's actually one that we began, me and some of my uh, graduate friends, in San Marcos, Texas. And so while they are called Christmas bird counts, they actually occur between roughly December 15th and January 5th. So they're not always on Christmas disrupting uh, family time and friend time, um, but they are usually around the Christmas time, thus why they're called that. Let's talk about why bird populations are declining. Can you talk about how, uh, what's going on? Why, why are the birds, why are we losing bird populations? So I would say one of the main issues to bird uh, populations declining is habitat loss. Um, basically, birds evolved and adapted to survive and reproduce in certain ecosystems and certain habitat niches, and when they're changed or altered, some part of their life cycle is disrupted. Um, so habitat loss can happen in a number of ways. Uh, total habitat loss is when you think of an area that's basically been clear-cut, and in its place... Up pops a shopping mall, um, an agricultural field, something of the like, to where there's basically none of the original existing habitat at all. Or you can have kind of to a lesser degree habitat fragmentation or alteration, where some habitat may actually still exist and look good, but it's not as suitable or sustainable to a population or even individuals within a population. Um, also, when habitat is fragmented, um, birds that reside in these small patches can actually become highly susceptible to predation, um, to inclement weather, and actually can even suffer from a loss of genetic diversity. Um, in other scenarios, habitat is not actually directly cleared or fragmented by humans, but it can be altered by encroaching invasive species, um, invasive plants that actually outcompete the native plants that the birds need. Um, 
So yeah, when habitat is fragmented or altered, it can actually have a cascade of effects um, that actually can decrease water quality and sometimes disrupt the natural food chain. Um, so habitat loss is probably the number one reason why birds are in decline globally. You're listening to Mothering Earth. Uh, my guest is Rebecca Rylander, who is a researcher and academic at Texas State University. We're talking about the alarming decline of the bird population in the U.S., uh, but right now it's time for a break. You're listening to Mothering Earth. I'm Salwa Khan, and I'm here today with Rebecca Rylander, who is a researcher and academic from Texas State University. And we're talking about the decline of the bird population. Uh, we just talked briefly about the loss of habitat as being one of the major factors. Um, but there are other human-caused threats, including, I understand, collisions with vehicles, power lines, communication towers, and wind turbines. Can you talk about those, how those affect uh, birds? Yeah, so there are actually, as you said, more direct human-related causes to these bird mortalities through vehicle and power line collisions, um, as well as incidental take through wind turbines and communication towers. Window collisions actually account for roughly 624 million bird deaths, while collisions with other objects account for another 270 million deaths per year. Uh, true, these are estimates, but they are probably fairly conservative estimates coming from uh, the same science article as well as from other articles uh, produced from the Lab of Ornithology up in Cornell. Um, so the odds are these numbers should actually be quite higher. Um, huh? But it's, it's difficult with the methodologies where you're counting these collisions um, carcasses actually get dragged off by predators. Um, they decay. Um, when they bounce, they actually don't land exactly right next to the object. And so that's one reason why they're thinking these estimates are fairly conservative. Uh, and then there are cats. So aside from habitat loss, I understand that cats are the major cause of bird deaths each year. Can you talk about that? Yes. So I have to first and foremost state that I actually do own a cat and that I love cats. Um, they're pretty incredible creatures. They can provide a lot of joy and entertainment to people and families. However, though, being a wildlife biologist, specifically an ornithologist, um, I have to be honest and say that cats are indeed devastating to all wildlife, not just birds. Huh? Um, yeah, feral cats, stray cats, and even pet cats that are allowed outside kill around 3 billion birds a year in just the U.S. alone. Um, it's their instinct to hunt, and whether you're feeding your cat or not, it desires to hunt, and it will hunt. Um, and cats not only harm birds by directly killing them, but they also kill nestlings, and they do actually cause adult birds to abandon their nests. Um, if they're hanging around nests for too long, even if they don't directly kill the nest or the parents, they can cause the parents to leave, which then results in the nest failing. Um, birds that actually get captured by cats 
but then escape, will often subside to an unfortunate death by bacterial infection disease. Uh, Cat and mouse have been known to have lots of bacteria um, in them, and so when they bite prey, if they don't kill them often, it will it will it'll kill them later. Um, there's actually several direct documentations of feral cats on island communities that have actually been the direct cause of avian extinction. Um, and I have to recommend to to listeners that there's a book out there by Peter Mara and Chris Santella called Cat Wars. Um, that is an incredibly educational, uh, an incredibly well written, well educational book that anyone interested in wildlife should read. One last comment, I guess, about cats. Um, you can probably tell that I'm I'm more passionate about this topic because I'm asked this question a lot about feral cats and birds. Um, is that trap neuter release programs are actually uh, they're finding not a great solution. Um, what, I know some. What are those? So trap neuter release programs are actually. Uh, where people who actually have really big hearts and they want to do the right thing, they they almost you know uh, take pity on these animals. Uh, they will trap them. They will actually have them spayed or neutered, and then they will release them back into the wild. And the theory is that they then can't reproduce to create more cats in the area. Um, however, um, unfortunately, some of these cats are often released before the spay or neuter surgeries are actually healed. Um, these individuals can sometimes become susceptible to disease and infection. Um, often in these trap-neuter release colonies, the cats, especially in inclement weather, um, are apt to heighten aggression over food, and sometimes this can also create the colonies to become ripe with contagious diseases um, from these aggressive interactions. Um, and so putting out cat food for these cat colonies actually can attract rats and other wildlife that then become problematic to humans. And so that overall, yeah, I know that people are trying to do the right thing and I feel for them. I have a soft heart for, for these cats. Um, they're just, you know, there's got to be a different solution. So what kind of advice should we give to cat owners yes. who keep pet cats? So definitely first and foremost to just keep your cats indoors. Um, while I've actually heard some people, and including friends and family, <laughs> describe to me that it's unfair and actually torturous to have cats that are not allowed outside. Um, but honestly, in reality, letting your cat outside to kill native wildlife is actually quite unethical in a, a biological standpoint. Um, a lot of the well-recognized entities, such as the Humane Society and the American Bird Conservancy, uh, they mention this statement as well if you go to their websites. Um, and actually, in many places, it's uh, actually illegal to let your cat, quote unquote, roam at large, uh, just as it is for pet dogs. Um, so by keeping your cats indoors, getting them spayed and neutered is actually the best thing to do. Is climate change a factor in the decline of bird populations? Yes. So uh, climate change has lots of different ways it shows itself in this world. <laughs> um, one of the most uh, obvious ones, in my opinion, is is sea level rise. And so if you've ever gone to the coast um, over the years, um, you know that the tides come in, tides go out, but over time they've actually been rising. So it's not only tides that are coming up onto these, these islands and onto these shores, it's actually climate change uh, making the whole sea level rise. And so some of these bird species, like our coastal shorebird species, which are 
absolutely in, in kind of critical condition right now. They nest right along the shoreline, um, right in the sand. And so as the sea level continues to rise, they actually don't really have anywhere to go. So they're having to nest in uh, unsuitable habitat and areas that they don't particularly want to nest, but they have to, else they suffer failure from their nest flooding. Um, climate change is also creating uh, really intense catastrophic weather events across the globe. Hurricanes are getting stronger and lasting longer. Um, earthquakes, tornadoes, uh, flood events, uh, major drought events. Um, and so while some of these bird species can actually adapt and learn to uh, handle some of these catastrophic weather events, a lot of bird species cannot. Um, climate change is also creating what's called phenological shifts, where basically, as uh, a lot of Central Texas people probably recognize, um, it can create seasons to actually appear earlier than they actually should, such as early springs and really mild winters, which is difficult to even call winters these days. Um, so with these phenological shifts, birds can adapt to uh, earlier spring. Um, if they can adapt to this, sometimes they move to other areas, uh, such as uh, moving up latitudinally to areas that are not as affected by these, uh, these temperature or climatic shifts. Um, or unfortunately, they have nowhere to go, such as species that re already reside high in elevation and on mountaintops. They don't have anywhere to go, and so they're not able to adapt, and they actually decline. Mm -hmm. um, and so, indeed, climate change is, is actually quite a force and kind of uh, working hand-in-hand -hand with these other stressors to birds. Um, climate change could actually be the tipping point for a lot of species. So is that now is that something that affects or that only affects birds that migrate or is that affecting all birds in terms of you know not being able to get to an area maybe where it used to be warm but now it's cold or vice versa Yeah so it actually it it definitely affects uh individual species differently but it does affect both migratory and residential species um Species that are residential, meaning that they don't migrate, they are in the same area year-round, um, are either being uh, exposed to uh, really intense, hot, dry summers in some areas where they've never experienced um, a spike in, um, you know, over 100-degree temperatures. Uh, it makes it difficult to find food. It makes it harder to... Uh, maintain their water intake. Um, and so residential species can also take a hit, but indeed migrating species, they're actually can sometimes be confused by these cues, um, migrate too early. And then all of a sudden there's a massive cold front, um, or, or vice versa. They, uh, don't leave, uh, their breeding grounds soon enough. And once again, they're hit by, uh, uh, some sort of catastrophic weather event. So it kind of goes both ways for all species, and it's definitely species-dependent. Um, some species are affected more than others, um, but it, overall, uh, I would say the majority of species are definitely being affected by these shifts. You're listening to Mothering Earth. I'm Salwa Khan. I'm here with Rebecca Rylander, who is a researcher and academic at Texas State University. We're talking about uh, the decline of bird populations um, and uh, another question I have is, what is the effect on the environment when there are fewer birds of any 
particular species? In other words, how would are we humans affected by that? So if you actually think about it, almost every living thing is in some kind of checks and balances system. We're all connected in some form or fashion. Um, so if one component begins to become too, sweet, too weak or too strong, um, it's actually going to affect the other members of the ecosystem. So while birds, it seems like there's quite a few of them out and about. We see them almost everywhere we go uh, in every environment and every habitat. Um, as their numbers start to decline, uh, we really will start to see an increase in insects, uh, which can once again, as we stated earlier, affect our croplands. Um, a lot of our, our produce uh, that's uh, produced by farmers uh, could could go downhill. Um, also, a lot of the flowers we love for either economic reasons or just for their sheer beauty, um, being pollinated by hummingbirds and orioles and some of these other species could, could also see a decline. Um, we can also expect an increase in some of these pesky nuisance bugs like mosquitoes and flies. Um, but you can also... I, I was told once, can you imagine walking into a forest that has no bird song? And so I think that, you know, protecting birds and, and being mindful of them actually kind of hits us in a lot of areas. We can help bird populations by planting native plants in our gardens, putting out fresh water, keeping all cats indoors, and stopping the use of pesticides. These are little things, but put together, they make a big difference. Thanks for listening. Please tell people you know about this podcast. Until next time, this is Salwa Khan signing off for Mothering Earth, your source for sustainable living news.